On a mission to change the way consumers purchase glasses, GlassesUSA.com was created on one simple belief. Eyewear shouldn't break the bank. It's the smart way to buy glasses. GlassesUSA.com allows consumers to purchase eyewear from the convenience of their own home and offers a wide variety of high-quality frames and lenses at affordable prices and with no risk. And these aren't generic frames. These are brands like Ray-Ban, Oakley, Tom Ford, and Calvin Klein. So head on over to GlassesUSA.com, use promo code ALMIGHTY, that's promo code A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y, and get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout. Again, GlassesUSA.com, promo code ALMIGHTY. Welcome to the Spurs cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I'm your host, Brian McCallum, and it is Friday. It's Friday. Got to get down on Friday. And there's no other person that I'd rather do that with than Mr. Jose Grijalva. And Jose is with us again, which is no surprise because you're the co-host. It's just that I'm a, I'm a very busy person, I guess you could say, right? I, um, I but, you know, somebody I, could say that, yeah. I, I'd like to start this podcast with... You know, we're, obviously we're going to talk about a game, right? A game six that I guess sort of happened. All I want to say watch. is, all I want to say is, I knew it from the start that this ending was going to happen. This did not surprise me at all. So I, I'm going to give you that because I do believe you called it. And what we're talking about is the Spurs winning by 39 points over the Rockets in Game Six, uh, closing out their series. Spurs are on to the Western Conference Finals uh, for the 11th time in the. Uh, I guess you could say the the end of the David Robinson era till present day. I mean that's a that's quite a streak. That's more than any other team in the NBA to have that kind of success. But you did call it. You you said it was going to be a blowout. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks, Let, let's thanks end for your participation. Then. Yeah, let's yeah. just end it right there. Just hang up and go away. Well, you know what was interesting about this game to me um, is. You know, no Kawhi. When I heard that there was no Kawhi in this game, I thought, uh, okay, well, they're just going to mail it in and play for Game 7, get Kawhi super healthy. He's not all the way there. Still got a tweak. They're just going to get him ready for for Game 7. I thought that the Spurs were going to mail this thing in. Um, And I want to get your perspective on that because when you heard that Kawhi Leonard was not going to play, still had the ankle injury and still bothering him, got treatment throughout the day and still wasn't apparently ready to go, what was running through your head when you heard Kawhi was not going to play? 
Um, I I think Pop was just being precautious. That that that's the only thing I thought. If it was because it was an ankle and knee injury, right? Right. Right. I was I'm, thinking. Well, uh, I I was just thinking if it was an ankle injury, he would have played. If it was a knee injury, I think he still would have played. But since it was both, I think that again, Pop just erred at the side of caution. And uh, I, I didn't really think much of it. I wasn't really nervous, you know, oh, well, it's a major injury. I just think since it was two body, body parts that are connected to each other, uh, that Pop, uh, Pop was just being overly cautious. Well, technically, all the body parts are connected to each other, right? Here we go. Okay. Yeah, I learned that in health class. <laughs> see, see I, have among to build, other things. I have to build myself up by breaking you down. That's, that's sort of the shtick on the show. Well, you know, I thought that uh, Kawhi being out for the game – I thought Popovich was mailing it in. I think it was a total shock that the Spurs jumped out the way that they did. I do not think that they were counting on a win. Uh, and, and, you know, the Spurs really had given him no reason to believe in these playoffs that they would go and win without Kawhi. You're talking Kawhi Leonard is a dude who's averaging almost 28 points a game in the playoffs, almost eight rebounds a game in the playoffs, five assists, two steals, He's doing everything for you on both ends of the court, and that's just his stat line. You know, that's not the all the little things that he does, especially defensively, that are going to win him another Defensive Player of the Year award but aren't really going to show up in his line. He was doing everything for him. And LaMarcus Aldridge truly wasn't providing – I mean, he's, you know, he turned it on as of late but really wasn't providing that serious boost and that lift. So he wasn't a guy that I think Popovich could depend on. I, I feel like he would uh, – Popovich just phoned it in and said – well, we're going to lose this one. I don't think so. Well, you know, yeah, I, I guess. But I think he still wanted them to be competitive because James Harden still had to play. They wanted him to sort of get tired, get fatigued. Uh, and I think that even though he really didn't count on that blowout, he he was just hoping that these guys would just be prideful enough to make it a, you know, maybe a four-point game you know, a four-point loss at, you know, around those lines. So sort of like with the Heat, remember when uh, when Pop sent four of those four, four of the superstars home, and I'm including Danny Green in that, mm-hmm. where he sent them home and, you know, again, the Spurs still competed. Way to make I Danny feel, was, Green feel great that you had to call him out. You know, he's not one of the superstars, but I'm going to go ahead and include him for this. See, I want people to like me, okay? Yeah. I want to – when I go to San Antonio one day, I want to pass Danny Green in front of the uh, – what do you guys have, Whataburger? And just him give me a big old bear and say, thank have. you. You're not like that other guy. He's not as funny as you, you know, <laughs> like they told you at that one game. I know. Uh, <laughs> hurt my feelings. Tearing me up. Tearing me apart. Well, I, I thought – Tearing I, you down to build me up. Tearing you – yeah, tearing me down to build you up. I, I thought that – you know, when they got out to that that early start, that quick start, um, that then Popovich started to get engaged. I just thought that he started out the game not really engaged. And that's why I say, I, which, is, which is shocking for a guy like Popovich, I, I just thought that they were mailing it in, getting ready for Game 7. You got Game 7 at home. You're the favorite. You got all that history. You should, you should win Game 7. I think that's what they were prepping for. But, you know, Jonathan Simmons enters the lineup. Um, plays outstanding both ways. We get, we're going to have to talk about Jonathan Simmons, Simmons at length. Um, some people are calling him LeBronathan Simmons out there in the Twitter, Twitterverse, and he had a game that was very uh, similar to that of, of Mr. James uh, during, during that game at least. And LaMarcus Aldridge was having a throwback uh, and had the game of his playoff life uh, in, this, in, this, in this matchup um, just last night. So I feel like once he started seeing that happen, 
things started rolling, Popovich started getting engaged, and then the Spurs really started to pour it on. I mean, Houston, they just never mentally recovered, right? I mean, it, it's got to be a mental thing for approaching that game and getting blown out by 40 points at home. It's got to be mental, right? I, I have no idea. How I mean, how can you explain that? They were missing their, you know, Nene, who's not really, uh, you know, he's just that guy, the the big strong guy that shows up. Right. But he wasn't really one of their top, you know, options out there. So I really don't get the mindset. I mean, how did James Harden go into that game? He uh, Stephen A. Smith, did you hear what he, what he said on SportsCenter? I, I do uh, not I don't, listen to Stephen A. Smith. You should know that by now. Well, you're that missing guy's out. Not allowed on this podcast or any other podcast that I'll be affiliated with. Oh. Well, that's right, huh? So, I mean, one day if I meet Stephen A. Smith, I want him to give me a big old hug and, you know, you know the rest. Uh, but he said that, again, he wants an – I don't know if he was being sarcastic. He wants an investigation because he saw that James Harden looked, you know, uh, comatose out there, he said. You know, maybe he was under the influence of something. That, oh, that's my how I God. Took it. See, that's, that's exactly why. You, you can't I mean, you listen never know. to Stephen A. Smith. Dude, come on. He, he I was... mean, no. But I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he, you know, you know, but – uh, there yeah, was you're some, giving uh, credence to something that a man who's obviously insane in Stephen A. Smith is saying. You're you're bringing that up again. I mean, great. come on now. James Harden was not. What are they saying? Drunk? They're saying he was high. That's stupid. Uh, That's just ridiculous. I, I mean, he wasn't aggressive. So I mean, you know, never know. You know, go go to the go to the uh, locker room and you know get get a little scoop of urine. I don't know what you would do a with that. Scoop of urine. I don't know. I, I, I don't collect it, so I wouldn't know. But uh, anyways, yeah. no, but I, I just can't explain it. Was he off? Was it just a bad day? Did he party the night before? I just, I mean, it's just, I, I don't get it. I think it's uh, ridiculous. But, at the, but uh, yeah, uh, what, the Stephen A. Smith thing? I, I think, yeah, I think that's just ridiculous. Oh, God. Just, no... Leave the guy be. Well, I'm saying, so James Harden is a guy who is first or second place, probably second place in the MVP race i guess we'll find out in june he's the leader of that team he's the leader of that franchise daryl morey's basically giving him the keys that dude's had no history of doing something like that why would he do that in a critical game six you know the night before uh you know go out or or get a little crazier as you say you know show up under the influence that's so stupid well i mean you never know you, you just never know. I, okay. I, I take well, – I have back spasms. You might spasms. be an alien. I guess you just would never know. I have back spasms. So, I mean, I, I they gave me a muscle relaxer. Uh, sometimes I do the show, you know, when I'm on it. I just never tell you because apparently you can never tell the difference. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you never know. It might have been something like that. that there were uh, fans telling me that he got hit with the ball on the Manu block, that it was, you know – it was high impact, you know, maybe he had a headache, maybe sort of like a con- uh, concussion. Again, I'm not saying that. People, you know, just people say that all the time. So uh, I, I don't know, but again, there has to be something that went on because this is for a caliber of of a player that James Harden is, he's aggressive. He shoots. Mm-hmm. He was passive. He didn't want to drive in. Uh, he played less defense than he usually does. I just don't get, you know, what happened. But again, you saw him next to D'Antoni, and it's, you know, D'Antoni looked dang near depressed out there. The fact that there was no Kawhi Leonard and these guys were dominating them. I, I feel bad for D'Antoni. Well, some people are putting this at the feet of D'Antoni, and we're not done talking about James Harden, but some people are putting this at the feet of D'Antoni, saying, see, here's evidence that the Mike D'Antoni system doesn't work. And I can't be any less uninspired. I don't know if that's too many 
negatives in a row there, but uh, just roll with me on this. It's not a Mike D'Antoni's fault from an X's and O's perspective, right? They've got a, a solid game plan. They've got an unbelievable player in James Harden, a uh, possible MVP. They've got shooters. Dude, shots were not going in. Something was going on where, like you said, James was not as aggressive as he typically is. But from an X's and O's perspective, that's not um, that's not a, a coaching thing. I think they had a great game plan. Um, they had the personnel. It just was an execution thing. I'm th- I'm blaming it on a hangover from losing a game that they should have won in that um, in that game five with uh, you know in San Antonio. The Manu block. We didn't talk about this because we 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 didn't do a show after Game Five because we kind of wanted to group these things together. But you you know the Manu block was so critical because if he doesn't block that shot, James Harden sinking that shot. He's making that a hundred you know a hundred times out of a hundred. James James Harden's making that shot in that game, and if they go to overtime again after he makes that shot, Houston's going to win that game because they'd have fresher legs. Uh, they have a style of play that, I mean, they, even though they were kind of in a little bit of a slump there in the fourth and, and in that overtime, you know, that, that you would assume would turn it around. They can score in bunches. And I was tweeting that out last night during the game. Even with that big lead, I think it was a 25-point lead, that's, you know, they're, they're back in five shots, you know what I mean, the way that Houston can score. That, that block by Manu was so critical. And I think because of the timing – they lost that game. Houston lost that game, and they never mentally recovered. And so, game six was low effort right out of the gate. And you know that's a player thing. That's I mean maybe the coach can talk them up a bit, but it's just really surprising to see Houston come out and lay that kind of an egg. I mean that's all time, right? That's all time bad. I, yeah, I mean again, I think Jeff Van Gundy said that right. This is the most impressive playoff win in history. Not in Spurs history, just in history in general. This is what I think happened. Uh, I think how you said there, there was a, a letdown with that loss, the fact that, again, uh, he probably thought he would have gotten a foul call. You know, again, you know, yep. superstars are used to that treatment, even if it was all ball. They still want that foul call. Yep. But what I think happened was this is the first season where he's had to play that way. There's nothing wrong with playing that way, but every – possession goes through him when he's on the floor he's the point guard he's either gonna shoot or he's gonna really score passing it to somebody that's gonna be third you know the the third thing he's gonna do I think he just hit that wall and I mean that's happened to me plenty of times when I'm leg pressing a thousand pounds or I'm curling uh you know what did I do today 12 ounces uh no 70 uh uh, pound dumbbells on each on each arm or uh bent dumbbell pressing 80 pounds on each yeah exactly Um, and you used to see my calves anyways. Uh, but what I think happened was I think he hit that wall because usually when it, just with my experience, I'm on pre-workout around two or three, I just crash. It's just a mean old crash. And I think that's what really happened, you know, with that whole season of him playing this new role. And then again, it's not the same as the regular season in this, in this, um, series, the Spurs, really zoned in on him. You don't do that in the regular season because there's going to be what, three games and five nights or something like that. Mm-hmm. So teams don't really have that game plan. This team game plans, you know, to a T. So I think that he was just overwhelmed. I think he hit that wall and I don't think he had anything left. If, if, uh, if he played this way for that, for uh, yesterday's game and they would have won, I don't think he, I think he does worse in game seven 
especially with Kawhi sitting out one game, than he would have done yesterday. So I, I just think he hit that wall. Yeah, it, it, there was something about him, um, and, and I think you're, you've got it right, because there's low effort, but then he was missing shots at the rim too, right? And ones that he just doesn't miss. I, I counted three layups that he had a clear line. There, I mean, there were defenders on him, but this is James Harden, right? I mean, he's scoring that, you know, that play all the time. And he, and he would just rim out. Um, it looked like me, you know, in my game on Saturday mornings. It's just you get to the bucket and you just miss. And I don't those – are, those are plays that he – it's just because he didn't have any lift. It, it was just strange. I mean, let me give you his line. In 36 minutes, the dude went 2 for 11. That's good for 18% shooting from the field. Uh, 2 for 9 from 3. That's good for 22% from the three-point line. Four, and this guy's typically a lights-out free-throw guy, 66% from the free-throw line, a minus 28 when he's on the court. He did have seven assists, um, six fouls, six turnovers, and like the worst timed turnovers you could possibly have. I mean, the player of the game for, for Houston was Trevor Ariza, who, uh, you know, you, you want this kind of game out of Trevor Ariza. I mean, five for eight from three, 20 points in the game, um, good defense. I mean that was that was excellent. Clint Capella had a good game, but everyone else was just oh, there was no one to carry him. You know, but you know, uh, remember what we talked about in the last pod, where I mean, you live with somebody trying to beat you, mm-hmm. and if you saw the way they played defense on Ariza, it was okay. We'll go and defend you, but we want you to take that shot. Oh yeah, and you, I, and you I want think him to it, shoot that for sure. Yeah, and even if he scores fifty points, it's going to be fifty points from one guy. Right. Uh, while every while the you know the hot players and oh don't don't take that the wrong way, but mm-hmm. the ones with the hot hands. It's weird well, that you have to defend yourself. Like you, I don't know, man. I just don't know how you think protest sometimes. too much because you know every time you say something like that, you jump all over it trying to back out of it immediately. Just go with yeah. it, man. I, I just think that you think like me. That just. that's what scares me. <laughs> but uh, I think they were ready to have him catch the ball, and I mean, Lamarcus still closed out on him to yeah. I think to where he uh, boxes him out. Not not really to defend the shot. But again, it took shots away from the other guy. So even if this one guy got hot, I don't have to defend myself, right? If this one guy got hot, I, it took the ball away from Harden. It took the ball away from Gordon, from uh, the guy they traded for from the Lakers, uh, Lou Williams, sweet mm-hmm. Lou Williams, if mm-hmm. you will, and the other guys. So I, I really think it was the strategy, you know. And again, that's sort of what Pop did against the Suns. Let Sean Marion shoot. You know, Sean Marion was a high percentage shooter a lot of the times because he didn't take that shot a lot of the times. But when you make him shoot, you know, enough times, he comes back to earth. And I think that's what they were trying to do with Ariza. But again, it took the ball away from everybody else that was that were killing the Spurs. And you saw the the uh, end of the game. So uh, again, it worked. It, it, th- that's the thing with Dan Tony. He's a good coach. Uh, I think he changes the the league in in some ways, especially with the Rockets. Now you might see teams get a five who can shoot and you know go sort of small, but you know at the end of the day, if you have the personnel to neutralize it or just have one guy that's not used to scoring as much and you make him the score, a la when they used to do that with Marion and Na- uh, uh, Nash, uh, it, it gets to that system. So it, he's very one dimensional in that. Yeah, and you know this is a game where I'm convinced. That the referees try, you know, it, it, you you always think you always want to have the referees be impartial. But in my mind, there was no doubt that those refs were trying to keep Houston in it. I mean, Houston shot twenty five three free throws in that game. Um, you know, San Antonio was had thirteen, I think, uh, for for the entire game. There were some fouls 
that it's like James Harden. Now, I mean, James Harden got six fouls on himself, but he was playing, you know, in in a, in a weird way. There were some times where James Harden would would have the ball. He would initiate contact, just standing there, just kind of pushing off a little bit off Patty Mills, um, and somehow it's a foul on Patty Mills. Jonathan Simmons had several like that, where he just barely touched the guy, not even in a shooting motion, just kind of on a pick, a, a play you see a thousand times in that pick and roll that Houston does, and, and you know that in that switch. And there were fouls on the Spurs all over the place. Popovich was losing his mind on some of these calls, especially the ones that went against Danny Green. What did you see about the officiating? I mean, or did you notice? I mean, was it such a blowout that you you just shut down, didn't really care? Are you serious? I mean, that that's been the whole season. He just runs into him. I was thinking, you know, before Game Six, I wonder if Pop's just going to tell him, you know what? I mean, not even hand straight up because they're calling that a foul. Just swing your arms back like the inflatable, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know which ones, yeah, right? Like the car sales things. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! yeah. You swing them back. What? Hold on. And that- we didn't pick that one up. Do that one again? No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, but they swing their arms back. You're, I mean, you're not really contesting, but they can't call anything. They, right. I, I don't think they would have called anything. I think that's what they, I thought that's what they were going to go with. But uh, again, it ended in six, so I, I guess you live with that because next round there's what three or four guys that get calls like that. Right. So at least they're getting used to it. You know what I noticed that this is really this season. I know that Kawhi sort of banged up Lamarcus. By the way, I think LaMarcus heard our pod because it, the whole thing I was raving about was the guy has a wide open turn. Do you, do you remember that? Right. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, suddenly he realized it and he went back to the basket. So Spurs Nation, LaMarcus, you're welcome. I would agree. Uh, if I'm good at something, I don't do it for free. So I'm expecting pay next time. Uh, but I think this this playoffs is primed for the Spurs because remember, Memphis was that, you know, uh, I was gonna say pounded out. What do you say, like bully ball mm-hmm. in the uh, in the paint? Uh, the Rockets were that small ball, uh, you know, uh, quick quick type of basketball shooting. And really, the Warriors are a hybrid of that. You know, Draymond Green likes to bump inside. Curry and all all the r- other shooters they shoot like hard. And so maybe this these playoffs are prime for the Spurs because now you sort of saw both both the, of those different worlds, and now you're playing against Golden State. So yeah. maybe. Maybe we see uh, another miracle here. Yeah, I, you know I, what I'm going to say? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this right now. If the Spurs can get by the Warriors, they will either four or five games, they will take down the Cavs. This is by far the most competitive you know, Western Conference that I've seen mm-hmm. through San Antonio go through. So the East would be a piece of cake. It doesn't matter what LeBron's doing. Big, bold predictions. So... Um... We'll we'll get to those, man. You got to save something. You got to give the you just have to tease the listener a little bit. You got to hook them. You're just, just throwing it all out there. Well, let's let's talk about a guy who hooked in a bunch of money last night, and that's the juice, man. Jonathan Simmons has played great in spot duty, you know, over the over the course of the playoffs, and it's been an increasing role that he has he's had on the team. Uh, he's back in Houston, where he's from, where he went to school for a year. Uh, and just had, and it got the start, and just had a phenomenal game. It started in front of Kawhi, or in place of Kawhi. Thirty-two minutes, uh, eight for twelve from the field, one for four from three, and <laughs> he shot one three. Where he was so wide open that I think it threw him off. He had to do a little dribble to try to get the rhythm back, and then he just. And they say that I think it was Lou Williams that ran out on him, and they say that Lou Williams blocked it. 
But I, I challenge you, go back in that fourth quarter, and I think that um, Jonathan Simmons just skyballed that, and it fell like 10 feet short of a basket. I mean, it was almost an impossible shot to replicate. It was so bad. Um, but, you know, one for four from the field, uh, or from the from three-point line, uh, 18 points of the game, uh, great defense, four assists. I mean, what else can you say about Jonathan Simmons other than, you know, see you later because some team is going to money whip that guy? I had that visual in my head. I don't know, just like a just GM just getting up, just macking him with the bills. Um, I, I was pretty proud of Who's him Bill? because I didn't. I, huh? Who's Bill? Oh, okay. See, that's where you think like me, sir. Uh, I just I, I don't know what to say about Simmons because I didn't think he could play under that much pressure. Right. He took it as a challenge instead of a burden. Right. Lots uh, of and pressure. That's, yeah, and I don't even think he was thinking about the pay, you know, the the, the contract year. I think he just thought, you know, I, I was I came from the D League. I had to pay my own entry fee to get into the D League. Mm-hmm. This is my time. This is this is what I've been waiting for. Uh, and you know, it it was sort of primed for him because at the same time, remember the Rockets really don't have the shot blocking or the paint defense that they had with Nene. I don't think he would have you know gone into that paint easily if Nene was still around. Right. Capella can only do so much, especially when he's uh, guarding a big guy down in the paint. You know. Do you go help out knowing that he could just dump it down or do you sort of try to live with what, you know, he's going to do? So I, you know, he he took advantage of the situation. That's what you do as a pro basketball player, sir. I'm I'm proud of him. The juice. I, I think he just, I mean, made a lot of money. Great for him. It's an amazing story. I really like the fact that you can put a guy in like Jonathan Simmons, get 18 points. And I got to tell you, I, I'm not saying like, oh, that's his new, as this is new average. But I saw nothing in any time that Jonathan Simmons has been in, uh, you know, been in the lineup for the Spurs in the in the playoffs. I haven't seen anything that says if if you get if you give this guy more minutes, he won't produce. You know, he won't maximize his time in, during those minutes. Defensively, he's solid, not great, but solid. I mean, he's not going to lose a game for you defensively. He's explosive offensively. The dude can shoot. I just, man, I think that Jonathan Simmons gets a lot of play, and I, I'm really interesting or interested in um, in the next round, and we'll talk about that in just a second with what lineups start to look like. But you know, when you go against the, the Golden State lineup with those four dudes and then Zaza, um, you really have to start getting creative with your lineups, and I, and I wonder what Popovich is going to do. But but let's close out this this Houston series, um, and, and hopefully not. <laughs> But I was going to say, you know, I think you're giving him way too much credit because there's one guy who should get the majority of the credit here. If LaMarcus Aldridge did not play the way he did, there would be a lot more attention on Jonathan Simmons. Aldridge played the way that they needed him to play to get the attention of the defense. There was always after after he took those that, that spin move and he and he made those easy shots. The defense are now saying, OK, now we got to help out on him. And then they had to help out the helper at some points. Simmons didn't have that attention. If Aldridge struggled. I don't think there's any way that Simmons gets those easy drives, those easy dunks like he did before. So kudos to LaMarcus Aldridge. I, I guess you still hate him, right? No, He's I mean, my boy. I was just when I see him in San Antonio, I want him to give me a big old bear hug. <laughs> just oh, give me a hug. I, need, I love hugs. Well, I was just about to get to that guy. So, I mean, L.A. goes for 34 points, right, 12 boards, um, you know, shot a lot, shot 26 shots from the field, so kind of on the northern end of – of uh, you know of, of his average, um, made 16 of them, 61 percent from the field, and, and for a guy who's not just a banger down low, a guy who's got that that jump shot, 
Sixty-one percent from the field is pretty is pretty amazing um, uh, for him. So, uh, the, one of the things that I think are really important about Lamarcus's game, you know, against Houston, was the dude had five offensive rebounds. And you know, if you have your, I think the Spurs have enough lanky guys, especially when they've got Powell in there. But you know, they've got big guards like Simmons. They've got Kawhi around there. You know, typically, they're going to get those defensive boards just. Everyone's smart about positioning. So those offensive boards, how can they get those? And, you know, regardless of, of if there was, you know, that there was no Nene, it was still the other team center taking on LaMarcus, right? Um, generally speaking, right? So it, it'd be Capella, who's a, a good rebounder, and LaMarcus got the better of him, you know, a minimum of five times of the opportunities that he had. I, I just thought LaMarcus on the offensive glass was amazing. If he could keep that up, you know, the, the Spurs are going to go far. So you can't say enough good things about LaMarcus Aldridge. The guy I wanted to bring up, though, it, and uh, it was your guy, DeJounte Murray's continuing to shine. 50% from the field, 11 points for the game, uh, and just starting to look cocky out there. What? He's starting to look cocky. He's got, like, a little bit of swagger. Do you see that a little step-back shot that he starts looking at his own bench, trying to get it all hyped up? Uh, you know, good defensively, had a block in the game. Uh, I thought DeJounte Murray played well, and so he's got that little bit of swagger. I mean, this is, you know, I saw something on Twitter, and this ran through Paul Garcia's uh, from Project Spurs. It ran through his his uh, uh, handle. And somebody was asking, like, what the financial relationship could be if they could sign Juice, um, somebody else, like Keep Two, I don't even remember who the other player Patty. was. It was, well, it was Patty. Patty. Juice, Patty, and then an elite point guard. And I thought, what are you talking about, man? You're, you're going the wrong way on this. If you can get DeJounte Murray to give you 10.6 assists, you, you've got your point guard because you have enough other solid guys around you. And then your wing situation, especially with Jonathan Simmons there, if he takes over that Ginobili role, you, you, I mean, you start to look pretty scary, uh, scary good. And so I, looking for an elite point guard, I mean, save your money. You've got a guy here that you just need to continue to develop. I mean, he is, he's another guy. Give him the opportunity – and he continues to shine, just like Jonathan Simmons. I agree. And he reminds me, I mean, he, you know, obviously he's taller and longer than Tony Parker was. But he really plays that Tony Parker, younger Tony Parker role where he's quick. You know, you just need him to score when he can score against other guys. You don't really need him to do too much. Defensively, he'll be better than Parker, you know, with his long arms. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I think he, he is the future. Uh, he can match up well with other point guards, especially the aging uh, point guards like the ones that the Spurs Spurs fans want, like CP3. I think he can match up better against them than any other point guard you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I mean, he's my boy, Dejounte Murray. I, I told you, you know, they I you would message me and say, no, he's struggling, he's nervous. Look at that. In a clinching game, he came <laughs> up big. That's right. I mean, he, he played great, and he's done that the past few times. I, I liked him starting for the for the Spurs. I liked him keeping Patty Mills in, in the position that he was in. I still think that they could have won the series if they had stayed with that lineup. Um, but they're going to need DeJounte Murray in that second round. So let's talk about this. Let's close this one out. Spurs win one. We just passed the second round. Yeah, the next round. The, second, the, the one after this. Let's go with that. Uh, Spurs win this one, one fourteen to seventy five, improving their record of the year, sixty nine twenty five. Rockets, it's it for them. They are over and done. Looking forward to the off season. They're at sixty one and thirty two on the year. Spurs move on. They're taking on Golden State. 
Uh, initial impressions, just reactions. Golden State has been dominant. They played two pretty good teams as well to get to the point uh, where they're facing the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. If you remember, took out Portland four games. Second round, took out the Jazz four games. Those are two pretty good teams. What's your initial reactions to the Golden State season? Bring it on. Okay, would you care Bring it to on. elaborate? But I for mean, the geez. season? Oh, who cares about the season? <laughs> well, the season they won, what, 70, up to this point, up to this point they, in the year. They won 73 games last season. What, am I supposed to be impressed now? They got some jump-shooting superstar wannabe who has to move to another team? No, we got this first nation. We're going to do this. Bring uh, it on. Yeah, sure, sure. Why not? Um, I think that, I mean, Golden State's ridiculously dominant. I, I don't oh, think. Goodness, no, no. Oh, 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 yeah, you're right. They're, they're only uh, they only have the best record in the NBA. So you're right. They're not they're not a dominant team. In fact, they should just give the give it to San Antonio now, right? Give the whole trophy to them now. Give or, it to Jonathan Simmons. Give bro. it to Jonathan That's Simmons a- now. Um, they're they're a really good team. I mean, they've got four All Stars on that team. Uh, there's not a lot of depth. They've proven that they don't need to have that depth. Uh, I I mean, the scoring is ridiculous. It comes from all sides. Uh, their weakness on that front line is is Zaza. I, I'm I'm really concerned, uh, clearly, with how San Antonio is going to match up against them. The point guard position, to be quite honest with you, if um, if you can have a run with Dejounte Murray starting, I want to ask you about lineups. I think that's probably your best bet on the point guard spot. I think the the, the place that gives them fits is going to be at that four position, and and the lineup that I would go into this with, or I'd like you to consider, is you're playing LaMarcus at the five, uh, Kawhi's at the four, you start Simmons at the three, uh, and then, of course, you've got Danny Green at the two and, uh, and DeJounte Murray at the one. I, I, I don't know what that does for the, for the rotations. I, you know, I'd have to think through those. But just initially, what, what kind of lineup? React to that proposed lineup, and then what do you think that Pop is going to do to try to match up with Golden State. Uh, before I give my obvious lineup, uh, we're not obvious, but the right lineup, if you will. <laughs> Are you going to admit that I was right about the last series that they had to go small? You're not going to admit it, right? It, well, uh, it worked. I mean, it, it sure worked. So I guess so, yeah. I, it's weird because when you got me on Twitter, you said, you were like, will you admit it? Admit it. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? They went big for a lot of that game, and it worked. Uh, and in this last game, of course, they went small and, and won by 40. So, yes, sir, I guess I'll admit it. They went small and won, so you're right. Once in your life, hold on but to that. But see, if they would have gone small the whole series, they would have won. They would have swept and averaged you know, a win by 40, you know, each win. Yeah. Uh, I will – see, and you, went, you wanted to go big last series. I wanted to go small. I will disagree with you. I think they need to go big against the Warriors. They need to play that bully ball because Houston, I mean, Golden State is not as quick as Houston. They're quick, but uh, Draymond Green is not as quick, in my opinion, as the other bigs that they had, even Capella. I think Capella is very underrated in the speed department. Uh, I would play that bully ball, you know, offensive rebounds, try to go back uh, and put them back. But the part that I disagree with is I, with with the uh, point guard, is it would really depend on how how Pop wants to play. If he wants to still go through Kawhi every possession and make it a very one-dimensional offense, uh, like we saw in every game except uh, the last game against Houston and also every game against Memphis, I would go with Simmons. 
if if Kawhi is going to be your point guard, basically, then I would start Kawhi, I would start Danny Green, and you start Jonathan Simmons because that would make the rest of the Warriors, whoever's guarding them, you really can't hide Steph Curry so, with that. So lineup. you're saying you're saying Kawhi Leonard is running the point? Well, that's what he's been doing. No, Hasn't I mean, he? but 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 offensively and defensively, he's taking the point. Well, I mean, that's where, again, you could get creative with that lineup. Uh, you could switch every other possession. You know, uh, the Spurs have done this before. Uh, I think it was two years ago when they played Golden State. Tony Parker started on them, and then Danny Green got on Steph Curry, and then Kawhi guarded Steph Curry, and they sort of, you know, did this, you know, this uh, quirky little defensive uh, assignment. But I think you can do that if you start Jonathan Simmons. You could start Simmons on Steph Curry, then you could put Danny Green, and then you could put Kawhi, or just leave those two on him uh, and rotate. You know, with the defensive assignment, uh, I think it would put a lot of pressure on them because then you can't you can't hide Curry in that instance. Well, see, you could bring Dejounte Murray. You could bring Dejounte Murray, Ginobili, uh, Mills. Then go with that quick, uh, small, you know, sort of three uh, three guard lineup. And then you could go maybe Bertans, you know, the guy with nine fingers. You know, th- th- that's the best defensive strategy. Just play a guy with nine fingers. Just put one of those There's weird more thick hands on him. Well, so so the the Seth Curry piece, as I stutter, I don't know, it took me five words to say the thing. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing, <laughs> he did it again. Um, that that uh, that worries me. It, it's not even Steph Curry. It's because I think you could defend. I mean, nobody's been able to so far. But I mean, Patty Mills is pretty aggressive. Dejounte Murray's pretty long. So I think you could throw a couple of things. You just play him straight up. The guy who's got me worried is Kevin Durant, uh, and he's been their best player all year for Golden State. Kevin Durant. I mean, how do you handle Kevin Durant? Who do you put on? I mean, you got It's got to be Kawhi, right? It's got to be Kawhi on Kevin Durant. No. Uh, I would put Kawhi and Clay Thompson. So dismissive. No, well, so, no, because see, this is the going. Let's go back to the Houston series. Do you remember what I told you? Give them a defensive assignment that baits them into playing a different way. When they went to Trevor Ariza, all those times they baited them because hey, the big guys in the paint, you're gonna get, you're gonna get the ball. You have to shoot it. It's not really what they're used to, but it was what the Spurs baited them on. I would go with the same thing with Durant because if you can keep Curry in check somewhat, if you could keep Thompson in check somewhat, Durant is the one taking all those shots. At some point, everybody else who's used to touching the ball at some point with some given touches, you know, more than what, what do they shoot? Maybe more than 15 shots each. That goes down, they all get cold. And, you know, Draymond is somebody who, you know, if you make Durant shoot, let's say, 30 shots and he doesn't shoot at least 50%, you know he's going to get in his face about that. Pass it even though a pass isn't even available. I would go with that route and ha- and try to have them implode in some way. So give them a dis- defensive assignment. Either have Durant shoot all the shots or, you know, I, I don't know, leave Draymond open in the paint if he's uh, – not in the paint, in the, uh, the three-point line if he goes to the three-point line. But you have to change the way they play. If you try to play – to their strengths, the Spurs have no chance. So I think they have to give them a defensive. Uh, they have to bait them defensively in the series. So, so uh, who do they put on? I, I guess I didn't hear this. Who who are they putting on Durant? Uh, for to bait him in that, I would go with uh, Danny Green. He would try to take advantage of Danny Green. If you put Kawhi on. Uh, Clay Thompson and Jonathan Simmons on Curry. I don't think they'll try to take advantage of of those two as much as they would Danny Green. Or, I mean, with your lineup, I would, and you're gonna call me crazy. I would put uh, Dejounte Murray on Kevin Durant. I don't and, think it's, just I don't think do it's it. crazy. It's just, uh, I mean, it's kind of a give up, right? I, and not because 
not because DeJounte Murray can't evolve into a decent defensive player. I mean, he's got the, the physical size to do so and the quickness, but he's just not there yet. I, I think Kevin Durant kills him. Even exactly. Been, well, exactly. And how many shots would he shoot? The majority of them. And then second, the, the second option would be Kevin Durant. Third and fourth would be Thompson and Curry. So they change the way they play. Don't so, make them comfortable. So, Durant does not want to take the majority of the shots. Not in his first season with the new team. As much as they tell him, you know, you, you're one of the best players. No, he does not want that. He still thinks this is Steph Curry's team. So again, make them uncomfortable. So who is uh, heads up against Draymond Green? Uh, Aldridge. See, and and don't you think that even though you're saying you're dismissive and saying that he's not that quick, he's a lot quicker than Lamarcus Aldridge. Up and down the court, too. I mean, fear rebounds. Fear rebounds and Draymond getting out and running. And I hate Draymond Green. Hate him with a passion. Everything about him. Uh, but the guy's pretty athletic, right? And, and he's way more athletic than LaMarcus Aldridge. Are you talking about offensive rebounding? I'm, if the Spurs try to offensive rebound? Correct. Uh, I, I think you just try it. Try it uh, two or oh, three okay. times. Good if advice. it doesn't work... Then I mean, you can have one big guy in the paint, the other guy at uh, you know at the wing, and then once the shot goes up, you have you know just get back. So would you have? Well, that's the problem is you can't get back, right? I mean, no, I, but you're confusing me. No, 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 no. Uh, you you try to offensive rebound with your two big guys at the start. You give it you know two or three tries. Mm -hmm. If they start burning you on that. Then you obviously on offense you have to have one guy in the paint, and then right. you could keep the other big guy at the wing. So once that shot goes up, everybody just runs back. You, you don't offensive I got you. rebound. I got you. Well, how many how many minutes do you think that Powell gets a game in this series? Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Because uh, I was hoping none. Just kidding. Uh, well, I'm the host. I would say I think he has to get 25. 25 minutes of the game. Yeah. Well, if he's if he's able to stay on the court that long, that obviously means the Spurs are doing something right. I think he'll be more aggressive. This this is the time that see. I didn't think Ginobili had. I I thought Ginobili had one game in him to play like how he did in that game five. But then he played well, you know. Uh, you know, in in the last game, I think these guys have one good playoffs in them. So I'm counting on Powell to show up against the Warriors. I'm counting on Ginobili to, again, this is his last season most likely. I mean, they're, I, th I think they're just going to go all out. So I think Powell stays on the floor for at least 25 minutes. Um, so from a coaching perspective, do you know, is Steve Kerr going to be back? Because he's been out <laughs> this, that, that whole time, right, and been resting, and quite frankly I haven't been keeping up with how Steve Kerr doing. Why did you ask me from a coaching perspective? I thought you were going to ask me a coaching question. I don't talk to the guy. But, you know, what, what is he? He's leaking spinal fluid, right? Something like that? All over his pants, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know. I mean, yes. Ryan, he's, he's got some, uh, he has Ryan, some kind of uh, spinal fluid issue. But, you know, that's there, we lost our to, sponsors. His, to his ankle and his knee. <laughs> we're going to lose all our sponsors. And you thought we were going to lose them after I joked about Ben's religion um uh, i don't think he shows up i think he'll show up for the finals if they make the finals when they don't make the finals but i think he'll show up for the finals uh i, I just can't imagine the pain the guy's going through mm -hmm. you know just just coaching in general it gets you it gives you headaches gives you migraines you sometimes just want to go pig out until you pass out uh so i mean dealing with that pain on top of everything else i just can't imagine the pain he's going through so i don't i don't think he shows up maybe if he feels obligated 
if the series is tied mm-hmm. or if it if San Antonio goes up, you know, after game three, uh, if they go up, I think he might feel obligated to do it. Uh, because, again, this is still his team. Mike Brown, he, Mike Brown, he's from that pop coaching tree, but he's the only guy that has trouble adjusting. When you, if you remember his first stint in Cleveland, he wanted to run it like an old Spurs offense. Like uh, LeBron was Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, and he would run those same plays. Uh, with the Lakers, he wanted to do the Twin Tower stuff with Gasol and Bynum because that's what Duncan and Robinson did. Back to Cleveland, he tried to run it like the Spurs. He doesn't adjust well. So if Pop takes advantage of it and dares Mike Brown to adjust to him, I think Steve Kerr might feel obligated to come back, might feel the push to come back. But uh, I don't think he should, not if you're dealing with something serious like that. Yeah. Is there anybody on the Golden State bench that sort of gives you pause or, or makes you a bit worried? There's a couple of guys that, that I know it sounds weird, a couple of guys that I've got my eye on there. <laughs> that I go don't, on. I don't <laughs> go on. Uh, that I'm not sure how it's really going to, how it's really going to pan out, and that's Livingston and then Matt Barnes. Oh, Matt Barnes isn't going to do anything. Livingston might give Patty trouble. I think Murray can neutralize him, uh, depending on the lineups, because they're both lanky, they're both long. Uh, but uh, Murray will give him problems because he can run around, you know, all over the place and create his own shot. While Livingston is more at this point of his career, after that injury, he's more Eleven conservative. Years in, you know, eleven years in. Uh, it's a long time. But this is the guy that gets me nervous. JaVale McGee. Right. I, I think that against a, a smart team like the Spurs, smart coaching, I think he's going to be level-headed. I think he tries to either impress everybody when he, you know, normally when he plays or he thinks too hard. The, I think against this series, he might be the X factor for them because he's tall, he's athletic, uh, and he'll just try to dunk on everybody. And the Spurs really don't have a shot blocker. Unless Marcus channels Tim Duncan. He channeled Tim Duncan with that spin move last time. So, again, if he can just contest right when JaVale gets up. And I'm saying all these coaching things because, again, if he hears this, if he's actually hearing this podcast, it'd be, it'd be, be. a great – it would be a great accomplishment he will for be. us. No worries. He will uh, But I think that's the X factor just because they could just throw it up to him and he'll just throw it down sort of like DeAndre. Right. I mean, do you think that because of that, um, Dwayne Dedman gets any play? Or it's still too unpredictable to have him in? I mean, this is a guy who's starting all year, right? So how does he – you know, well, that's another thing. They said it on the broadcast last night, but he's adjusted really well. I mean, what a great teammate that guy is. I mean, playing so many minutes during the regular season, gets to the playoffs and gets to this series and doesn't play really at all. Um, but then when he did get in and spot duty, man, that dude was aggressive on the, on the glass. I mean, it was great. It was great to see a guy like Dedman still have that kind of fire. I, his, his, he's athletic. He would be the Spurs' answer to a guy like McGee, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. How, how long do you think that uh, Dedman gets per game in, in this series? Uh, well, the first thing, I, I agree with you. He, he's he's really taken that optimistic attitude. I w- you know, if you play... Uh, youth ball if you play at the college level I don't play anymore uh, just you know our, our, our thousands and thousands of fans worldwide and two thousands in the Philippines mm-hmm. uh, if you all play you know sports that's the type of attitude coaches appreciate that's the type of attitude if you lose your spot or you lose minutes that's what coaches look for uh, to see how, how you really uh, you know let everything soak in so uh that's great from deadman he's keeping everybody you know he's not bringing down the mood of you know to any to any low points so uh 
I for me to comment if he's going to get minutes, I would have to know the situation on why he lost minutes. I, it ha, I don't think it's been talked about, right? It, or it hasn't been leaked by you know anybody or any reporters or anything. Why he lost his spot? I've always been under the impression you don't lose your spot with injury or sickness. You always come back and get it. Uh, but uh, he apparently lost it, so I don't know the situation. If it's something on the court, then he'll. I, I expect him to get more minutes. But it's if it's something off the court, maybe personal issues or whatever it might be, uh, then he might still sit. But I, I don't know enough to comment on it. I just I don't think it. I mean, yeah, you, you're you're right. I mean, neither one of us really do. I mean, because you're because the Spurs kind of keep that stuff close to the chest. But I also don't think that it just doesn't sound like you know that it could be personal issues. I mean, from all accounts. The guy is an upstanding citizen, teammate, etc. cetera. Uh, that's not typically the Spurs style. They don't really have those kind of – I can't even remember the last – I mean, Steven Jackson obviously comes to mind. But, you know, Spurs that had real off-the-court kind of issues. I mean, I and I don't even think it's such a negative. I think he lost a spot because in this series they needed some veteran play. And so that's why Powell was getting uh, the play. I, I think it's just a matchup thing, right? I mean, in these first two rounds – you get bully ball by Memphis. Well, he's not big enough. And then you get into this, you know, that's that last series against Houston. And maybe that you just need the veteran predictable play. And that's what, I mean, cause you don't even really see David Lee much um, in the last two games of that Houston series. We didn't even talk about that guy. I mean, do you think that he's any kind of X factor? I mean, in, uh, in a, a, a series against golden state, David Lee, I'm talking. Uh, well, go, going back to uh, Deadman before we talk about your boy, da- uh, I was going to call him Derek Lee, David Lee. That's fine. Uh, I would say, you know, I, I think it, it 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 can't be with basketball though, because when you're talking about that bully ball, he's a better option than Powell uh, against Memphis, and at the same thing against the uh, against Golden, uh, not Golden State, against uh, Houston, because he can protect the rim. So I I just don't know the situation. I'm I, I hope it comes out just because you know, I mean, I could sleep at night, but it's still going to bother me. Uh, but with uh, David Lee, I, I don't know. I mean, they're all taller. They're all quicker than him. I, I can't see him having a role this series. I think if he's there, he might try too hard because it's Golden State, his right. former team right. uh, from a few years back. But I, I don't think he'll he'll have that much of a of an impact. I think Bertans might have more of an impact because of his uh, versatility and his shooting. Yeah, but I just feel I mean that's offensively that you're talking about there. I mean I think David Lee could do all those little things and and certainly neutralize Zaza. I mean that's the weird thing is that the, it's like one of these things is not like the other in the lineup for uh, for Golden State. And Zaza is just some dude, right? I mean he's there. He's not bad. He's just there. He's just some guy. Um, David Lee can can take minutes just on Zaza. I guess it really just depends on how the Spurs want to play defense. They're gonna need rim protection. Um, you know what? They're stuck. They're, yeah, I, I'm with you. David Lee's not gonna play <laughs> because you've got to have some kind of rim protection that's generally not gonna be David Lee. Um, so you're gonna have to put a guy like Lamarcus, who's also not a great rim protector. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know where they're gonna get that help defense from in this series. I don't think they need it. I, I don't well, think they're not they, going to get I, it. So they better plan on not having it. No, but at the same time, you know, with Deadman, I don't think they'll concentrate on that. If I'm the Spurs, I would kill the three point shot, get up on the at the three. When they drive in, play back to, you know, expect the layup, try to beat them to that spot. Don't try to just stay in front of them. Once it, once it goes into a two point shot, just, you know, sort of collapse or, 
jump all the way back as much as you can to the basket and try to get there before uh, the offensive player does because they, they're going to spread out the floor too much. They're going to move around too many screens. There, there's too much motion in that to be expecting just one guy to protect the rim, even if they would have had you know Tim Duncan. Remember, Duncan didn't even play in one of the games against Golden State what, a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was uh, – who started? Splitter started, right? Or was it was Spl- I think Splitter was still around. But Pop did not start those two big guys. So I think that's something that they'll have to do because with all that motion, if Zaza's in there, you could always play back from Zaza. I mean, right. th- that's not even a factor. But, you know, if you go with the two two big man lineup, there, there's just too much movement uh, to not do that. So I, I don't think they need the rim protection. And you know what's the funny part, speaking of rim, rim protection, because this has been bothering me? I've had to tell somebody. So I might as well tell you and other people. Yeah, it's just These us guys... talking here. Don't... Yeah, it's just a private conversation between you and me. Exactly. Uh, but just just it's between us, right? Don't put it up. But you know what? The, the one thing that about Powell and LaMarcus, it's not the fact that they're bad rim protectors. It's the fact that they only need to move over to, you know, just a little, like a, an inch more to, you know, to the guy to actually make an impact on the shot. Like Powell, he stays under the basket and just tries to extend his arm instead of moving that mm-hmm. inch closer and actually blocking the shot. I mean, it's these little things that they would be elite defenders if they would just – I mean, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't want to blame it on the coaching because these guys – I mean, they're veterans, right? Well, and you're uh, talking about Hall of Famer Powell Gasol. Because of Kobe, let's be honest. The great Kobe beating Bryant. Uh, but no, you know, the, no, he was going to be a Hall of Famer here we go. anyway. I mean, oh, after all those Memphis letdowns, he couldn't even get past the first round. Are you serious? No, no, you're, you're. It's the basketball Hall of Fame. It's not just the NBA uh, Hall of Fame, right? So I mean, he's, nobody cares about Spain. Well, Spanish, except do, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I love all our listeners, right? So, no, but no, but seriously, it's just one little, you know, sort of tweak. In that, just move a little bit closer, and they'll have a shot block. They'll protect the basket. There won't be a layup made. But right. these guys just it, these guys just stretch out instead of moving, uh, and it costs them a layup. So, I mean, if they can get that through their minds, because, again, LaMarcus put that spin move in one game. He's comfortable now. Mm-hmm. If these guys just move a little bit closer to the to the offensive player, you could probably see San Antonio being an elite defensive uh, rim-protecting team next next round. There you go. Okay, well, let's uh, let's close it out with prediction for that first game. It's Sunday, 2.30 Central Time. Uh, they're in Golden State. Nothing good generally comes out of Oakland, except too short. Your opinion, uh, do the Spurs come out of, of uh, California with a win? Did you say two shorts? Too short. Who's that? Just look it up on YouTube. Is it like is he like Little Yachty? I don't know who Little <laughs> oh Yachty God. is, but my, the, but the travel team—they're all like, hey, "Did you listen to Little Yachty's new hit?" I was like, "Is that the guy with the hair?" It uh, is the guy I, with I the hair. Know. It's the guy yeah. with the hair. Uh, uh, too short also has hair. Uh, actually, no, he doesn't. It's shaved, but uh, this is from this is from like the early '90s. Oh, I wasn't cool back then. Go, like go back and listen to it. You should play it, um, you know, like at church on Sunday. Totally, oh, safe, totally safe for church. Uh, the video too. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So okay. So give me a prediction. We've gone. A, we've gone far afield. What's the prediction for the first game? Um, I would say San Antonio wins. I think they go into Oakland. Everybody's on a you know. Oh, there's. I think the team and the fans are with that same mindset of these are the Spurs. You know, there's no more Tim Duncan. Everybody's old or everybody's too young. 
uh, or too slow or, you know, whatever. Uh, and there's, there's going to be a beat down. I think uh, they're going to be well prepared and they'll, they'll upset the, the Warriors and take home court. I think the same. I think that the Spurs can steal game one. And if they're going to sneak up on you, that's the time to do it for the reasons that you just said. That's not going to be the only game that they're going to have to win in Golden State this series, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't think – I mean, Golden State's so good that they're going to win at least one on, uh, on San Antonio's court. But I think out of that first, uh, that first game, I think San Antonio can, uh, can take it. Uh, so I'm, I'm, putting, I'm going all in with these Spurs for game one. Before we close, X-Factor. Who's the X-Factor for that game? Uh, yeah, I think it's Jonathan Simmons. I think it's Jonathan Simmons again. Defensively, he's big. He should be bigger than than uh, his offensive counterpart there. Uh, and I think he's too quick uh, when he's on offense. So I think Jonathan Simmons is going to have uh, a cool 15 points, uh, maybe five rebounds there, and just play really solidly defensively. I'll say Aldridge. I think Aldridge dominates that game. We're gonna see. We're gonna be checking our eyes and say like, is it is that Tim Duncan with the numbers reversed? That that's how good he's gonna be. That's what we were promised. So let's let's hope. No, oh. we were promised Todd Bruce Bowen. <laughs> okay, well that's it for this episode of the Spurs Cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Catch up with Jose at JRG ten twenty three. Me, I'm at Ryan MC underscore PS. Follow us or follow any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Uh, Jose, thank you. Good luck to you with all of your predictions, and to you listeners, you're welcome. <laughs>